Well, welcome to Water of Life. You are tuning in for a very special weekend. Welcome to SGN Celebration Weekend. If you don't know me, my name is Victoria and I'm your online campus pastor. And so I'm here to share with you all of the things that are happening at Water of Life. But hey, first things first, if you're new here, if this is your first time at Water of Life, we want to say welcome. If maybe you were invited by a friend or maybe you stumbled upon the link, could you do this for me? Could you grab your phone and text the word new here to 818-818? We would love to connect with you and learn more about you and share with you all the things that are happening at Water of Life. Well, if you know anything about Water of Life, we are a big believer in that God calls us to be good stewards of our finances and of our resources, right? God is so gracious to, to bless us with finances and resources in our life, but he also calls us to be good stewards of those things. And so we're excited to share with you that we are going to be offering Financial Peace University classes starting up again next month. But before I share a little bit more of those details, why don't you check this out? People who are sick should stay home. For 90 days, we were sent home due to the coronavirus. We're just kind of stuck right now. I gave up. I lost my job. And we had a lot of debt. It was scary. We were just like everybody else. We needed to reset our financial life. The first 90 days, we just started working our budget. It was just amazing the progress we saw in three short months. My wife and I got married by next year. We shall be debt free. The future is bright. <laughs> it really is freedom. It changed our lives. If we can do this, you can too. Anybody can do this. Well, what a powerful video, right? 2020 was a year for so many of us, and maybe you're in a position like those people, right? You want to get control of your resources and your finances. Well, we want to encourage you to join FPU classes, and like I said, we're going to be offering those online starting next month on Wednesday nights starting February 3rd and Saturday mornings starting on February 6th. So if you want to be a part of those classes, we're excited to share that it's going to be free of cost for you. Normally, you would have to pay, but Water of Life is going to be covering those costs. So so if you want to join, you can check that out and sign up on our website at wallupdates.com. Another thing about our church that we believe in, right, is that we believe in the power of community. If 2020 showed us anything, it's that we're not meant to do life alone. And so we want to invite you to pray and consider joining a small group. I've been a part of small groups all throughout my time here at Water of Life. And what's so great about small groups is that you can find a small group that's tailored to the things that you're interested in. And so we're offering so many different small groups that you can check out. And we want to encourage you to join one. And so if you want to do that, you can text the word FRIENDS to 818-818 where you can get more details and information about how you can join a small group. So like I said, we have an exciting weekend where we are going to be celebrating God and his faithfulness. And we're going to be jumping into a time of worship. But before we do that, I want to read a verse to you. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can open it up to Hebrews 10. And it says here in verse 19, and it says, We can boldly enter God's most heavenly place because of the blood of Jesus. And so let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. And let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we have. 
for God is faithful. How many of you know that God is faithful, right? He is faithful to keep his promises, even right now as we jump into worship. Maybe you reflect and take a moment. What's one way that God has been faithful to you? Maybe you want to share it in the chat below, right? What is one way that God has been faithful to you? And so as we reflect on those things and we reflect on God's faithfulness, let us respond in celebration and worship. And so we're going to jump into a time of worship. But first, let me pray and just say, God, we celebrate you for your faithfulness. And we thank you, God, that you are the same God who can keep his promises to us. And so as we reflect, as we look back on the ways that you've been faithful, we just say thank you. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, hey, let's jump into the worship center and let's worship together.
wisdom. And it will always blow my mind that a God like you could love someone like me. Thank you, Lord.
that you're always doing a new thing in and through us when we let you. So God, we open our heart, open our mind to you today. Come and do what only you can do as we worship you, as we respond back to all that you've given us. We will declare your goodness for all of our days. We love you, we worship you. We worship you, God. We're gonna continue in our time of worship together by celebrating with those that are getting baptized today. They're gonna declare the goodness of God in their lives. It's gonna be an honor to witness that. So we're gonna join Pastor Matt in the baptismal, but stay standing as we worship together. Hey, Water of Life Church family, Pastor Matt out here at the baptismal with Pastor Linda and uh, our whole pastor crew out here. So excited uh, to celebrate baptism with you. Uh, we have a bunch of people that have made a decision, taken the step of faith in their journey to say yes to Jesus and to do it publicly. Now we know that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and when he came out of the water, the dove descended and the father, right, was said of him, this is my son who I am well pleased. And, and he went out into the desert for 40 days and was tempted. And we know life is hard sometimes. We know everyone has a testimony and everyone here today that have said yes to baptism are going to share a little bit of that with you. We know the Bible says that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And we celebrate the symbolism of, of the old dying in the water, coming out of the water to new life in Jesus, raised to life. And we're going to celebrate that together. And we want to encourage you to do that inside of the worship center. We have friends and family out here and we're going to celebrate well together. So let's get to it. First up, come on over. Why don't you share your name? Z. And Z, why are you here to get baptized today? I'm here to get baptized because of my parents who just passed away last year, both of them. And one in January and the other one in December, the December one of COVID. And thank you for sharing. Um, so sorry for your loss. And who is Jesus to you? Jesus is my God. He's my father and he's my savior. Amen. Let's get you baptized. great to be with you today and to get to celebrate and to um, really just to be able to be here with friends and family, uh, everything that God is doing in your life. So um, you ready to be baptized? All right. Well, because of your uh, profession of faith, it's our privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father who loves you, name of the Son who died for you, and the Holy Spirit who empowers you. All right, next up we have Michelle. Michelle, why don't you share with everyone why you're here to get baptized today? Um, I'm here to get baptized as um, an adult. Um, I was baptized as a child um, in the Catholic Church. Um, I, went, I attended Lutheran school um, all of um, you know, elementary years, went to Catholic high school, um, but I just never had a close relationship with God. Um, when I started coming here to Water of Life uh, three years ago, um, 
I can say that the small groups brought my marriage closer together and just brought me closer to, to God. And I was saved um, about two years ago, and I'm ready to just dedicate the next step of my life to God and walk with Him in my life. Amen. And I don't know if you guys heard that, but she said small groups was a part of that. We're meant to do life together. And who's Jesus to you? He's the way, the truth, and the light. Amen. Let's get you baptized, Michelle. Okay, Michelle, we're going to have you step up right over here. Step up one more step for her. All right. Michelle, what a beautiful testimony of God in your life and what he means to you. And so uh, it is our privilege to be able to baptize you today, to be able to celebrate with you. Amen? All right, so let's baptize you. In the name of the Father who loves you, the Son who died for you, and the Holy Spirit who empowers you. All right, why don't you share your name real quick? My name is Elijah. And Elijah, how old are you? I'm nine. Elijah's nine. My son's nine. I'm excited for you today. Why are you here to get baptized today? Because I wanted to show that I'm a child of God to others, and I just want to do God's plans. And I know um, to do that, I have to get baptized, and I really want to. That's awesome. So this is obedience, a step of obedience for you in your journey with Jesus. That's a lifetime. That's awesome. And who is Jesus to you? Jesus is my everything. I love it. All right, bud. Let's get you baptized. Elijah, I love your heart. I love how, how much you love Jesus. I'm going to have you step right over here and step up on one step there. You know what? God has an amazing plan for your life. He wants to do amazing things in you and through you to touch other people. And your step of faith to be here today and to surrender to him is amazing. And you start that journey. Is that exciting? Yeah? <laughs> All right, well, let's get you baptized. In the name of the Father who loves you, and the Son who died for you, and the Holy Spirit now who empowers you. Well, hey, we are so excited. We're going to continue to baptize our friends and family out here. But we, this is a public family affair. We want to continue to worship with you. So we're going to continue to baptize. We do want to encourage you inside the worship center. If you're interested in baptism or taking the next step in your faith journey, uh, come out here after service. Talk to Pastor Jeremiah. We'd love to get you the information you need to take that next step. But let's worship together. I know you're standing. So I'm going to send it back to Jacob in the room. Let's worship together. Thanks so much, Pastor Matt. Let's worship together. Let's bring it dry bones back to life. That's what we're celebrating. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was.
watching online again welcome and we have an incredible word from our pastor today so before you're seated in the room I want you to wave to some people around and welcome them to water of life as we continue on in our service God bless you Why'd you do this? And you know what God said to me? This is the journey, Dan. It's always the journey. It's the journey. It's what God does with people, friends. It's the journey for churches. It's the journey for people. It happens in your life, then it happens in us corporately. And for us as a church, we're certainly at a place of crossing over, are we not? October 19, 1997, made a decision that impacted your life in a gigantic way. They decided to buy this land. Their decision impacted your life because God brought us that day as a church to a place of crossing over. And the good news about Water of Life Church, one of the reasons it's kept growing is because people like you have kept making the right decision. When God puts us at the bank of the river, we go across.
So I pray for us today that we would grow deep. Why? We would understand sacrifice is part of the journey. Giving to touch other people is part of the destiny. Father, I pray for people that we don't know, we've never seen, families that are fractured, kids that are hurting, people that you want to touch. Father, you redeem, restore, recover families, marriages, and people. And I pray that you do that through this whole journey of ours. In Jesus' name, and everybody says this. Good morning, good morning. If you're online, we want to welcome you. And those of you who are in Townsville or Upland, other campuses, we want to welcome you. And Man, 30 years. This is our 30th year that we've been in church. That's an amazing thing. I started this church when I was 12, I think, 11 years old. Yeah. So I'm, no, let's pray together. Father, we want to come right now and just say thank you, God. The journey has been incredible, amazing, supernatural, miraculous, full of generosity, healing, new lives for people, God. and Just thank you for the baptism today, Lord, watching people weep as they went into the water. It's been amazing all day long last night, watching people give their lives publicly to you, Father. We're just so grateful, God, that we pray for the future. We know you're not done with us yet. You got new places to, to move, new supernatural things to do, and we just look forward to COVID ending so we can get on with those things in the name of Jesus, amen? Amen, amen, amen. Okay, 
So let, let's talk a little bit about the journey today. We're gonna go into Joshua chapter three. You got a Bible, an iPad, a phone. That's where we're gonna be today. Joshua chapter three. Next week, uh, we're gonna celebrate Black History Month next week with Pastor Josh Beckley. And then the week after that, we're gonna start a series on Samuel, the life of Samuel. When we're done with that, we're gonna go into the book of Luke. And that will carry us probably through the summertime. And um, we're gonna talk about the miraculous things that God did in the book of Luke, because everywhere in the book of Luke, you see the miracles of God over and over, from the conception of Jesus and the power of the Spirit coming out on Mary, through the book of Acts and Pentecost, the supernatural falling of the Spirit, touching people, changing people, transforming, empowering people, all of that. So we're gonna jump into that, but one of those things that, that's happened in my life over and over and over and over and in our church's life, there's been this sense that God is in it, God is in it, God is in it, and he shows up in supernatural, miraculous ways. Have you ever noticed that? I, I, I mean, you, if you see miracles all over in the Bible, you ought to expect them to be in your own life. Is that right or not? Because God is still a God of the supernatural. Now, we started, just for those of you who haven't been with us, I want to give you a little history run here. You can actually find all this in this little book, Our Story of Faith, in the bookstore. But... The reality is we started in 1990 with 21 adults and 11 kids. I talked to all these people who plant churches today, they start with four or 500 people, I'm like, really? We started with 21 adults and 11 kids in 1990, October 28th of 1990, and God just kept his hand on us, kept his hand on us, kept his hand on us. By 1991, we moved to Vineyard Junior High. We were struggling to find a place to meet so we could keep growing, and that was just a really interesting interesting time because Ranch Cucamonga was growing like crazy in those days and I was driving down Haven Avenue with my wife and the kids one day and, and she said to me, where would you want the church to go if we could go into anywhere? And I pointed at Terra Vista Business Park. There was no apartments there in those days. You could see it from Haven Avenue. I said, I, I would like to go in there. That's where I would want to go, right there. And uh, so you have to understand the journey those were bad days. I mean, the first three or four or five years, it was just really, really hard. It was just hard. There was no money. You're wondering every month if you're going to survive. You're wondering, and you're just like, okay, God, show up. There was no denomination paying our way. There was nothing. It was just us and God and, and people that were faithful and generous and supernaturally, God just kept moving. And, but in those days, it was really hard for me. I was discouraged a lot of the time. There are people like Dan Sneed in my life and people that God brought along to encourage me. But, but in that part of that journey, after I said that to my wife, two weeks later, she's driving down Haven Avenue, and wouldn't you know, somebody else's name is going up on the facade over that building. Another church. And she's like, oh my gosh, when my husband sees that, he's gonna have a heart attack. That's what she said to God. She goes, he's gonna be so discouraged. And, and, and I'll never forget when I got their flyer in the mail at my house, because I lived in Cucamonga in those days, and got the flyer in the mail, and they had all these speakers lined up, and all this stuff. I just remember setting it down on the table going, God, we'll never do anything like that. We could never afford to have speakers come. We could never do anything like that to reach people. We could, I just, you know, some of you have this problem, don't you? It's called a pity party kind of thing, you know? Just so you understand, I, I understand it because I've lived there too. And so I'm having this thing with God, you know, and, and my wife comes and tells me later. She said, when I was driving down the street and I saw their name on the facade, I said to the Lord, Lord, what, this is gonna kill Dan. And she said, as clear as day, she went home and wrote this in her journal, but didn't tell anybody. Because she said it was so, it felt so presumptuous. She said, I couldn't say it. But she said, the Holy Spirit spoke really clearly to me and said, they're building that building for you. 
And you know, in eight months, we were living in that building. Eight months later, we had moved into that building. That church with all of their flyers and everything just it disappeared. They called us up and said, look, there's nobody else in town that can take this, and would you guys be interested in it? We took, we took over their lease, and it was just a really, really tough time, though. I remember going to Kona, Hawaii two years later to uh, the University of the Nations Youth with a Mission, and I was there doing some classes, and uh, an old guy that I knew, a pastor that was very prophetic, came walking up to me, and he goes, I know that your church is growing, and I know that you're looking for a building, and God is gonna give you a building. It's gonna be a large white building, and, and it's gonna have tall trees all around it. I'm like, what? You know, I mean, come on, really? How, I, how could you know that? And so wouldn't you know, six months later, somebody tells me about this piece of land over on East Avenue. In those days, East Avenue is so far away from the world. It was, it was like, we're in Rancho Cucamonga. I remember when I said, we're gonna move to Fontana, people said, where's that? You know, and it was just such a big deal. I had to convince people, listen, you go under the freeway to go to In-N-Out, you can go under the freeway to go to church. It was a very important word from the Lord, right? Yes. <laughs> no, David Reese Thomas has described this place. It used to be eucalyptus trees lining all the streets here, all the way around the building. All the buildings were big and white. When we walked on campus, I was like, okay, that is supernatural. How could the guy know that? And that's actually what he spoke to us, is that this is gonna happen. Later in 1995, we had been five years as a church. We had crossed 1,000 people after our fifth year. And, and, and that was when we were actually got, we set up a deal to meet with a realtor to talk about buying this property. And in those days, and most people don't know this, but remember Roy Rogers and Dale Evans? Hello? They owned this land. Roy Rogers and Dale Evans bought this property for uh, a boy's home. And they couldn't get the permits for the property. And so I called the real estate agent, and the real estate agent said, I'll meet you here. So Peter and I came back from the beach, and we sat out on the curb out here by the two-story building, and they never showed up. That was kind of the journey the rest of the time here, friends. It was like, okay, God, are you in this? Are you not in this? Are you in this? I mean, how many of you know if you showed up and, and, the, and, and the real estate agent showed up, you'd think, oh, that's God and all that. But, 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 but there was no thing like that. Two years later, a year and a half later, we're still talking about this property. We still have nowhere to go. We're still trying to grow. And this lady walks up and she hands me a, a, a word that she felt like the Lord had given to her. It's up on the screen right here, that yellow piece of paper. And it says this, Dear Danny, I was praying this morning about the building because everybody in our church was praying. We need a building. We have nowhere to go. <clears throat> she said, and the Lord impressed on me this verse is in Psalm 37, verses 7 to 11, especially verses 9 to 11. Since I'm such a cheapskate, I never ask for a low price. I always ask for free. So the word inherit jumped out to me, really stuck out to me. I will couch all of this in water of life ease. I don't know what it means to you, but maybe the Lord is saying something. Well, I get a lot of prophetic words written down and handed to me. I take them and I put them in a file and I pray over them and I wait on the Lord to speak to me about them. If, if they're from God or there's, you know, somebody had a bad lunch that day, I, you never know. So I, I just kept praying over this. And wouldn't you know, it wouldn't go away. It wouldn't go away, it wouldn't go away, it wouldn't go away, it wouldn't go away. And so finally I, said, I went back to her, I said, Holly, what do you think this word means? And she said, oh, I, I know what it means. The Lord already told me what it means. 
It means God's gonna give us an inheritance to buy land, to buy a building. And I said, really? Now, how, how many of you know that would be kind of like way out of your zone of like, where, where, where's that inheritance gonna come from? And five, six weeks later, I get a phone call from a lady in Cucamonga who lives over in Red Hill and she's dying of cancer. Her name's Helen Lovett. I never met Helen. I'm going to in heaven, but I never met her this side of heaven. We are only here because of Helen Lovett. Because Helen Lovett's dying of cancer and she says to me, your people have been coming over and bringing cassette tapes of your messages to me, and they bring communion to me, and they take care of me, and hospice wants my property, and TBN has asked me to, to deed my property to them, but the Holy Spirit told me to give it to you. Never met the lady, and that's a whole other story I'm gonna tell you in the story in the book of Samuel. We talk about hearing the voice of the Lord because there was a supernatural evening that transpired. She gave us her property and died two days later. And it was just, it was a miracle that it all happened. But see, friends, that's been our journey the whole time as a church, is God miraculously intervening at just the right time. And wouldn't you know, when all of that's happening, and we're sitting here struggling along, trying to believe God, and you know, what's gonna happen? We got, we got our inheritance, and, and then we, we bought this property two times and lost it. We paid $3.1 million for it once, then we came back and paid $3.5 million for it, and then ultimately we bought it for two and a half million. But I want to fill in those gaps really quick and explain what happened. In 1997, we made our first offer, like in July of 97. We took 275 people and we walked this whole land. There was 14 acres here before we bought the property down in the, in the parking lots. We walked all of the land, 275 people, and we prayed and prayed and what? And prayed. Lord, if you want us in this place, put us in this place. We want to be in this place. It was so big. It was so out of our zone. We were like completely overwhelmed by it. And then wouldn't you know, in the midst of that, four days later, I, I, I am sitting in my office. And in those days, we had like three people in an office. And there was stuff piled up all over the desks everywhere. And I'm on the phone. And my wife comes in and sits on the desk across from me in my office. I don't remember who was in there with us, but there was another desk. And she picks up this bag off of the desk and she starts looking at it. And, I, and I'm on the phone and I'm like, put that down. It's not mine, you know. And, and she pulls out this wishing well out of the bag. This little picture here. She pulls that out of the bag. And she says, it is yours. It's a gift from Sue, this lady that would have been in our church forever. And the story of this wishing well, friends, is very supernatural and amazing. This lady's down in Orange County, and she's shopping for antiques, and she runs across a wishing well that says Water of Life on the sign. Now, this was made in like 1930. This is 1997, okay? And she's in Orange County, and she picks it up, and she thinks, oh, that's really cool. I should get it for Pastor Dan. She brings up the counter. She's ringing up her other stuff, and, and she says, no, I, I really don't want to buy it. I can't afford it, and she pushes it off to the side. And she buys the other stuff, and she walks out the door, and she said, clear as day, the Holy Spirit said, go back and buy that. And she said, no, Lord, really, that's kind of stupid. I don't want to buy it. He said, go back and buy it. She went back and bought it, put it in a bag, and gave it to me. When Gail reeled up, the little well in it, which nobody had ever done, there was a little handle on it with a chain. What verse was printed on that well? Psalm 37, verses nine to 11. How could that happen? 
For those of you who don't believe in the miraculous, friends, you need to like rethink it. You ought to read this book because it's just full of that. Because, I mean, come on, really? It was made in 1930. And it had our verse on it, the same verse that the lady had given to me. It was just such a huge confirmation. We're going to get the property. Well, did we? No. No, we bought it for $3.1 million. And then community psychiatric centers, by the way, this was a psychiatric hospital before we bought it. So if I ever act crazy, you know why? <laughs> I mean, I remember the first time we journeyed up and down the hallways where the kids' ministry is now, and a lady stopped me while we were praying through the room. She said, I used to be in that room, Pastor Dan. <laughs> I said, okay, honey, I love you. Let's keep walking. <laughs> no. No, I mean, really, it was a psychiatric center, you know, and it was like, it, it was wild here in those days. And, and, and when, when this all happened, we bought the property, and then community psychiatric centers got taken over by a large hospital uh, conglomerate called Vincor. And, and when Vincor took it over, it was like a shock to us. We had an escrow already. We were moving down the line. And then I'm going to lunch about a week and a half later. I'm at lunch at, at Church on the Way with Pastor Jack Hayford. And we're sitting eating lunch together, and a phone, I get a phone call from the office, and the, and the secretary comes and said, hey, Pastor Dan, you need to come in my office. There's a very important phone call for you. We didn't have cell phones in those days, okay. Um, so I got up and I walked in the office, I pick up the phone, and it's Peter Felsch, our administrator, our Aussie friend, and, and Peter says, listen, I, I hate to break the news to you, but Vincor just took our property from us. And I go, well, they can't take it. We have an escrow. They go, no, no, actually, in America, whenever one corporation takes over another corporation, they can pull all their properties legally out of escrow and keep them if they want. And they've decided they don't want to sell this property to you, so you just lost it. Okay, so how do you think that went when two weeks later, we were scheduled to ask our church to commit to paying for the building here, to paying to, to, to buy it. We needed to make a commitment. And they ended up, even though we lost the land, those people committed $670,000 to buy this property when there was no property to buy. So, so, so listen, somebody needs to say, yay God, because they, they believe for all of us, friends. Those people had nothing, no vision, no place, and they said, we're gonna still give our money because we think God is in this. And friends, that's how God works with people. He stretches you out of your comfort zone. We're gonna talk about that in just a minute in Joshua 3. But the reality is, while all this is happening, I'm sitting, I walk back to sit down with Jack Hayford, and Jack, and, I, and he says, what happened? And I look really, you know, sad, and he's like, what happened? I go, you'll never believe it, but they just took our property. They go, they took your property, yeah. And he just looks at me for a long time. He goes, you know, the, the Lord's speaking to me right now. The Holy Spirit is telling me something for you. You're gonna get the property back and you wanna pay way less than you're paying for it. <clears throat> you know, that didn't encourage me too much that day because I really didn't think we'd ever see it again. And we didn't for a long time. I kept calling and calling and calling and calling and calling, trying to get them to, to, to sell us a the property. They're like, no, we sold it to a hospital in Victorville. It's gonna close, 98% chance it's gonna close. That's what they told me at Christmas. And then on my birthday, on my birthday, 1990, what? It was like, whew, 1998, January 8th, the phone rings. And many of you know this story, but some of you don't. 
And my son comes in and he goes, six o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting at my desk reading my Bible. My wife, my desk is in my bedroom over on the side of it. My wife is laying in bed. My son comes in with a phone and says, hey, some guy's calling you from Louisville, Kentucky. Said he needs to talk to you right now. Hands me the phone, it's Doug Carnute from Vincor. And he says, listen, we just lost our deal on the, on, on the hospital. Do you really want to buy it? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I said inside, yes, yes. But then I had this voice saying, less. You're paying less. So he goes, how much do you give me for it? You were in escrow at three and a half million before. That's what we think. Three and a half to four million is a really fair price. We were selling at this hospital for 4.2 million. We think around four million is a fair price. And I, I, I'm sitting there listening to Jack Caper's voice in my head. Less, less. Now you, you gotta understand, we had nowhere to go. I was so wiped out by the whole building journey that I'm sitting there panic-stricken inside thinking, okay, <sighs> okay, we wanna buy it, I'll give you two and a half million. He starts yelling at me in the phone, are you kidding, that property's worth six million dollars right now, two and a half million. I go, it's real money, we'll close in 30 days. He goes, okay, write it up and I'll take it to the board, I doubt if they'll approve it. They did and we're here, okay? so. Friends, it's just been like that the whole time. It hasn't been accidental. God does that to put his hand on you to make a statement and say, listen, I'm in it, I'm in it, I'm in it. We grew to six services, we built parking lots, we built chapels, we built venues. It was kind of like Disneyland. We just kept building and building and building and people kept coming and coming and coming. We sent teams to nations all over the world. We saw marriages healed and people's lives put back together, people filled with the spirit. We started school of ministry, we started CityLink to care for the poor. Things just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and happening. Listen, and this is the most important thing I wanna to say to you today. Because of your generosity and your faith in God and your willingness to partner into the kingdom, God did all of this. This wasn't because of me, this is because of you. Because of those of you who really took the big risk and said, listen, I believe that my life is about more than me, about people that I have never seen and I may never know. Listen, when I sit and watch these people, get baptized. I, I, I just sat there during service with tears running down my face and I'm thinking, that's what I live for right there, man. That is what matters the most. Not the building, not the land, but the people. The people that God, listen, the buildings and the land are a picture of what God can do to touch people. We couldn't touch people without a building. We were out of space. Six services wasn't real. I had, I had surgery on my vocal cords twice because I, they just wore out from preaching so many times every week. And then there was this message that changed our world. If you've got a Bible, an iPad, a phone, look at Joshua. Amen. Joshua chapter three. On November 15th of 2015, I preached a message that I think was one of the most important messages that I've ever preached. And you heard part of it on the video. It was about crossing over. It's a message about Joshua taking over the leadership of Israel after Moses had died. Now Joshua, was really intimidated because Moses was the greatest leader Israel ever knew. And Joshua knew he was up against it really hard. God was doing supernatural things and it says in verse one of Joshua three, then Joshua rose early in the morning because they were supposed to cross over the Jordan River into the promised land that God had promised them for 40 years, 40 years they had waited. We had only waited for a building for like seven years. <laughs> Seven years, how many of you know that's a long time to wait, okay? 
But 40 years they had waited, and it says he rose early in the morning. He and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, you need to stay far away from it, because if you get near it, there's all kinds of things that can happen that are not good. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which we shall go, for you have never passed this way before. Now, I, I want you to understand what's happening here. There is going to be a miraculous moment in, this, in these people's lives right here. Now, for me, and many of you, you live like this. You understand, not every day is a miraculous day, but God marks your journey with miracles. God has marked my whole life with miracles. From the time that I surrendered to Jesus, I could always look back and just go, here's a miraculous thing. I get this phone call. Here's a miraculous thing. This thing happens. This could have never happened. God did another miracle. And friends, that's why we're here today, because God has done another miracle. We paid off this property two weeks ago, and that is impossible. That's like... I mean, you gotta understand, there was a point where we were $46 million in debt, or 52 or some crazy number. And then God gave us a land on Sierra, and then, and then I stood in the back one night praying, and the Holy Spirit just said to me, you know, you can sell this property, which we were going to, and move out there, or, 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 or you can stay. And I thought, well, but Lord, we already bought the land, we're selling this, we have to sell this to build out there. And clear as day, the Holy Spirit said, you can do that, but if you do, I'll be very sad. Uh, it went right through me. I thought, what? You mean I could make you sad and not sin against you? I, I was in shock. And I went to our board and I said, look, we can't sell the property. Well, they're like, what are we gonna do? I, I don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> I never know what we're gonna do. I just pray and keep going back to the Lord and go, Lord, what are we gonna do, you know? And then God shows up and does a miraculous thing like he did here with Joshua because that is what God does, friends. He wants you to depend on him, take a risk, and believe him for something supernatural, supernatural, supernatural. So here, here it is. He rose early in the morning. Let me tell you something. When God is moving in your midst and it's supernatural, it's gonna be a big day, you need to get up early and do what? Pray. You need to get up and pray. You need to get up and set your heart before God in a right way. And they had, by the way, a strategy. They were spirit-led, but they had a strategy that was very well laid out by the Holy Spirit, what they were supposed to do. They said clearly here in verse four, we you have never passed this way before. Now, 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 let me help you with that. What does that mean? It means these people have been wandering in the desert for 40 years and they weren't used to water. Hello? They never been across the river. And now, why on earth, God, would you bring us to the promised land through a raging river in the springtime, which is exactly what God did? The Jordan River today is just a trickle. But in those days, it was a huge river in the springtime. It would overflow its banks. It would frighten people like these people to death. And God took them right to the edge and said, now you're gonna to get to walk across. Some of you are there right now. You need to think like that. Your life is a picture of this. You're in a situation where you're like, why would you do that to me? Why would you bring me to the edge of this thing I can't get through? God's like, I, I, you can't get through it, but I can get you through it. But you need to trust me. And that's exactly what happened with these people 
with Israel at this point. They had a strategy, but they also had a raging river. Now I want you to read with me, if you're online, one of our other campuses, let's read together verses five and six from Joshua three. It says, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went ahead of the people. Now, really important you get this part, consecrate yourselves. Literally the word means to be set apart, not common, it's gonna be a different day. That's what Joshua's saying. Literally it was like this, God's gonna rock your world, get ready. That's what they're saying. God's gonna blow you up. How many of you know God does this with people all the time? Hello? He'll do this in your journey, he'll do it in my journey, he does it in church's journeys. This is how God works, friends. He says, set yourself apart, because today I'm gonna do something supernatural. What's that gonna look like? Well, look at where, where it goes down here in verse five. It says, consecrate yourselves, for the Lord is gonna do wonders among you. Friends, I just, I just can't say this too much right now. God still does the miraculous. God still wants to do supernatural things in your lives. God still wants to do wonders that would surprise you and shock the people around you. That is the picture here. Set yourselves apart, watch what God does. There are days that God just wants to rock your world and many of you miss them because you never stop and prepare your heart for them. You never trust God for what he's gonna do in your journey and so you miss your destiny. This was a group of people who for 40 years had wandered in the desert until all of their parents had died off because their parents were faithless people. Did you get that? God had to let all of them go away so he could change their culture and try to create faith in people. Do you know that there's lots of groups of Christians just like this? They're faithless. They don't believe God for the supernatural. They don't believe God to, do, to break through and touch nations or neighborhoods or people or heal families or marriages or lives. Friends, you gotta be a person who believes past yourself. You gotta be a person who believes for other people. You gotta be a person who when God takes you to the edge of the river, you step in even though you know you could drown. That you just step in. That's the story here. That's the story. God's gonna do wonders on you. How, how's that gonna happen? When he changes your culture. You know, a way of thinking that it destroyed them. He was trying to change that. He's trying to do that for some of you. How does he do that? He does it through worship and fasting and prayer, believing and stretching and pushing you. Look at verse seven. Verse seven goes on to say this. Now the Lord said to Joshua, this day I'm going to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel. I'm gonna do a miracle so they know that you're a great leader. They may know that just as I have been with Moses, I'm with you. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you will stand still in the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by, by this you shall know the living God is among you, that when you go into the promised land, He's gonna dispossess the people in front of you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the termites, everybody there, yep, all the ites are gone. In verse 11, it says, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you in the Jordan. So, 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 hold, hold it. The ark of the covenant, any of you who've read the Old Testament, you understand this. There were really strict guidelines on how to move the ark, how to be around the ark, everything. And now what's God asking to do? Take the ark of the covenant and do what? 
Come on, help me. What are they supposed to do? Walk into the river during a flood stage in the springtime. Walk into the river. So, so, so if you were, and you knew this, you know, if you get swept away and you reach over and touch the ark, you're gone. Just get vaporized. There's a whole bunch of story behind that we're not going to go into today. But they understood all of that. And so what does God ask them to do? Take a big risk. Now then take for yourselves, he says in verse 12. Men, people from each tribe of Israel, one leader from each tribe. And it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who are carrying the ark of the Lord rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in a heap. Now, now, now listen, you gotta understand this. Most of you know the story about the Red Sea parting, right? You know that story, but you don't know this story. This story is just as miraculous as that story. Except for, in that story, the people had zero faith, and God is building faith in these people, so when they stepped in the river, and it said that the waters would be blocked, is that right? It said the waters would be blocked. Do you know where the waters were blocked? Over a mile up river. So, 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 hold it, what does that mean? That means that you step in the water, and you believe God even though what he promised you hasn't happened yet. Is that right or not? Because it happened upriver, but you haven't seen it yet. So you just walk in and stand there until you experience it. That's exactly what this is teaching. And some of you are there right now in your lives. God has you positioned in a situation where he's saying, get your big head off the couch and in the river. And you're like, no, no, God, I can't get in the river. I'll get swept away, God. And if I do, some of you are here right now, you trusted God and you stepped in and now you're saying, nothing happened. No, 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 listen, if God said something happened, it happened. You need to wait now and experience what God is gonna do. Because the miracles of God, listen, when David Reese Thomas told me, you're gonna get a white building with big trees all around it. I didn't get any white building for years. There was nothing except for the sense that God was in the journey and he wasn't gonna let me go. And friends, that's exactly what he's doing with some of you right now. He's in the journey, he's not gonna let you go. Watch this, down at verse 13 and verse 14. It says, it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the waters that Jordan will be cut off from above. In verse 14 it says that when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and when those who carry the ark came into the Jordan River and the feet of the priest carrying were dipped in the edge of the water banks of the water of the Jordan overflows all of its banks in the days of the harvest, it says, the waters which were flowing down stood up and rose up in a heap. Where did that happen? A great distance away at Adam, another city. It didn't happen right in front of them. It happened a long ways away. And then it says this, and those which were flowing down towards the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite of Jericho, and the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on the dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all of Israel crossed on dry ground, on dry ground until the nation had crossed the Jordan. Listen, you gotta get this. These people have to feel just like you feel, some of you today, afraid. Your fear level's high, your, your faith level's low, and you're like, God, where are you? I'm right here. 
I'm right in the middle of it. Friends, your life and destiny is a series of crossing over. That's all the journey is. It's a series of crossing over, moments of faith, decisions that change your destiny. Some people take them and some people don't. Some churches take them, some churches don't. If you take that step into the river, friends, your life will turn out miraculous and blessed and touched by the Spirit of God. I don't know what that'll look like for you, but I know this, it'll be full of the presence of God because you trusted him and honored him. He'll always honor you back. What should you do if you're sitting there right now saying, what do I do? Pray, pray. I mean, that's how you start this, pray. And then when you step in the river, you're supposed to stop. Not just go flying through it. I don't want to stop. I'm freaking out. That's why I want you to stop. Invite the Holy Spirit to come in the journey. And just be, be, be honest. God, I'm overmatched. I'm overwhelmed. I, 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 I'm afraid I'm going to run back. I don't want to run back. Help my faith, God. I don't want to live in fear. I want to live in faith, Father. That's what God is asking you to do. We want results without cost, friends. All of us do. We want our families touched without taking any risk. We want our lives fixed without any pain. That's how we all think today. And the reality is God's not gonna work that way. For 30 years, our church has been challenged to step in and cross over. And for 30 years, every time God has called us to do that, we have done it. So today, honestly, I'm just here to say thank you. I'm here to say it is wonderful to partner with people like you. People who get it, they're generous, they sacrifice, they believe beyond themselves for people's lives. Those people in the baptismal, some of you gave money to build this building, you'll never meet those people, but God knew who they were. Those of you who buried cards all over up here, when you saw all those cards, they're right underneath the cement, right here. And we put prayer requests all over here, all the way around here, we buried all of our prayer requests. Do you know hundreds of those people that were buried here have come forward during Easter and given their lives to Christ? Hundreds of them have. People send me notes and say, Pastor Dan, I was praying for my cousin and, and I buried their name underneath it and they came forward this, this week to receive Jesus. Friends, you can't know what God is doing, but you gotta trust him. You gotta trust him, you gotta trust him, you gotta trust him. Back in 1995, I said this to our church, on April 12th and 13th, I'm gonna ask you to step in the river to take a risk and believe for other people's destinies as well as for your own. I'm gonna do what I think God has clearly directed us to do after allowing us to wander in the desert for the last seven years, hoping we could build a building and reach more people. I'm gonna ask you to make a decision to establish a worship center that will touch thousands and thousands of people's lives, and you did. So way to go for you. You guys did that. I said this that day. The decisions we make are gonna impact people we've never, we've never known and it will impact people for years and years to come. So consecrate yourself, take time and pray. Only do what the Holy Spirit asks you to do. But whatever he asks you to do, do it. Whatever he asks you to do, sacrifice what he asks you to sacrifice. Be it small, be it large, be it extravagant. Friends, when, when I ask people to make a commitment like this, I understood the tension. I understood this and I said this to people, I know you don't know what the future holds, what the economy's gonna look like, what your health's gonna look like, what the country's gonna look like, but I know this, I can't answer your questions. I, I, Joshua couldn't answer their question. He could only say obey, 
Put your feet in the water and then watch God move. And friends, there's a lot of questions you can't answer and God won't answer them because he wants you to live by faith. You gotta step in and wait. Step in and wait. Verse 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 is the whole principle. Put your feet in the water and wait. And leaders do it first. So when this was all happening, I went to all of our leaders and said, you guys have to make the first commitment. You have to make the first commitment. I think they committed $2.3 million over five years to help build this building. And then after we came to the church, the church committed you guys, the people that were here and people that are not even here today have moved away but been faithful to, get, to make their commitment. $17.1 million of commitment. It was amazing. Out of that, $14.5 million actually came in. For, that's a huge commitment. And then we sold the land over on, on Sierra. And friends, that was supernatural. That was like hearing the voice of the Lord when I stood out there that night by myself, nobody here, and I was sad in my heart because we were gonna sell this property to pay for a building on another property, and I, I just said to the Lord, Lord, you blessed us so much here on this property. I feel really sad that we're gonna sell, and the Lord was so clear to me, as I said to you, that he, he said, look, you can sell, but I'll be sad if you do. And so I went to our board and I said, we can't sell the property. They go, what are we gonna do? I, I don't know. I picked up the phone and called Jack Hayford. said, what would you do? He said, I don't think you should sell. I think you should build on your property. I go, well, we'll never have what we wanted to have out there. And he goes, I, I, I'm just telling you what the Lord's saying to me. I think you should build on your property. Picked up the phone, called Robert Morris at Gateway. Robert's a good friend. And I said, Robert, what would you do? He said, I think you should build on your property and stay there. And, and I, I was like, oh, oh, like the death of a dream. You know, death of a dream. And wouldn't you know, a month later, my phone rings. And we paid $5 million for that property and somebody offered me 14 million. And then they offered me 17 million. And then 20 million. Then 21 million. Then 24 million. And I'm like, are you kidding? I, is there anybody in this house that wouldn't put $5 down and get $24 back? I mean, that's a good deal, especially when you're talking about millions of dollars. And wouldn't you know, we ended up selling that land for, we cleared out of that over $21 million. That was a miracle. Why am I telling you all this? Because God wants to do this in your life. You need to think that way, friends. God wants to do that in our church. You know, David in Chronicles, when he was up against the same kind of thing with the people, in 1 Chronicles 29, he said this, I'm gonna lead the way with all my ability I have provided for the house of, of my God. I've given gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, who then is willing to consecrate or set themselves apart today for the Lord? Then the rulers of the father's households, all their leaders, the princes of the tribes of Israel, all their commanders of thousands and hundreds overseeing the king's work offered willingly. Nobody broke their arm. They had a vision to touch people. Do you know how much money they gave in today's dollars to build the temple in Israel? $21 billion. That's serious cash. Hello? That is serious. Why did they do that? So you, people like you and me could meet Jesus. That's why they did it. See, is there any amount of money you could ever give that would impact or impress God? No, the answer is no, because God owns everything. He's the creator of the universe. I mean, John chapter 12, there's a great story of a lady who broke some perfume and poured it on Jesus to anoint him for burial just before he was crucified. And if you know the story, you remember this. 
that one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, criticized her to Jesus and said, why did you let that lady pour, waste all that perfume on you? It was worth 300 denarii. That's a year's worth of salary. So think about a year of salary. That is some costly perfume. Is that right or not? That's seriously expensive stuff. And she just poured it out on Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? Look, she's done this extravagant thing to me. And there's not, listen, when God asks you to give, friends, you don't say how much, when, why, what. You just give, you know? Some of you gave so extravagantly, and for you, that meant that you were on a fixed income, and you gave $20 a month for the last seven years to help pay this off. That is extravagant. That's what Jesus said about that widow who came into the, to, to the temple and dropped a little penny in the box. Do you remember that? The widow's mite? And Jesus said, look at her go, man. She just gave more than everybody else because they had extra, she had nothing, and she still gave. Friends, God asks us always to figure out sacrifice. Your time, your talent, your money, you gotta learn to give it. Listen, there's nothing too extravagant for Jesus. The most extravagant thing that you could ever give God is yourself. It's yourself. But I wanna tell you something. If you, if God can't trust you with money to, to, to teach you to be generous, he'll never trust you with ministry or people. He won't. See, in the Bible, and, and we're done here, but I want you to get this. In the Bible, there's three different kinds of giving. There's tithing, which is what we do every month, regular basis, just to keep the doors open. Now, most of you have no comprehension what that means. You drive in and out of here, and you think, this is really nice. Gosh, it's beautiful here. It is. But friends, do you know what our light bill is every month? It used to be $55,000 a month. You think you got a light bill? Now, that's serious, right? And, and when we put the, the solar on it, cut it in half. But, but friends, if people didn't give regularly here, we wouldn't have church. We, 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 our budget here is over a million dollars a month. And last year, as a church, you gave $14.1 million of tithing money. And another $2 million of what is called almsgiving or money to the poor. You gave another $2 million to care for poor people. And then we took off of that 14 million, about 17% of it, and gave that away to the poor. And then, listen, you then gave your COVID money to the poor, and all that's on top of this. So when people used to say to me, if you build that big building, I bet you'll never take care of anybody anymore. I'll tell you what, we've done more and more and more and more than people would ever think because of your generosity and your faithfulness and taking a risk to believe God to do something supernatural in you. So, so, so what does it mean? It literally means this, Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That word rewarder is only used one time in the whole Bible. And I tell you all the time, you honor God, God will honor you back. I'm not saying this, if you give God $10, he's gonna give you 200 back, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this, he'll bless you somehow, I don't know how, because he's a God of blessing. He always brings life to you. He all, you cannot outgive God because God is a giver. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. See, the reality was this. 
I learned these lessons a long time ago. So when we were asked to give seven or eight years ago, Gail and I started giving every, every, every month. We give, and we still are giving, you know, to the building. Years ago, years ago, last story and we're done, years ago, when we moved in the MPV over there, we were on a cement floor and we needed a, a, a floor in the building so we could have, you know, basketball and, 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 and church and just, we needed a floor. So we're on cement. And so we didn't have any money in those days. So we just prayed, Lord, help us, help us. We started saving our pennies and our nickels and our dimes. And, and we got, the, the floor was $43,692.50. Okay. And we started saving our money and we got up to $40,000. I'm like, woohoo, we're gonna buy a floor pretty soon. And then one day the, the, the phone rang, it was another church in town. And, and they said, Pastor Dan, we're calling you because we're really in a desperate place. I go, what's wrong? We don't have any money for these things and we're gonna, they're gonna get closed down if we don't do this. How much money do you need? Well, it's a lot. You can't do it all, but we, we need $40,000. And you know what the Lord said, give him the floor. I said, no way. <laughs> God, come on, no way. Dude, we've been, waiting, we've been saving all of our money for months and months and months for the floor. Give it away. We gave it away. Because we've always done that, friends. We gave it away. Two weeks later, a Bible study on Wednesday night. I was teaching a Bible study in those days on Wednesday night. Two weeks later, I told the story. We gave the floor away this week. <laughs> Thought people were gonna throw rocks at me, you know. <laughs> We've been saving our money for the floor. We gave the floor away. Guy walks up to me at the end of the service. And he goes, how much did the floor cost? I said, a lot. He goes, how much? I said, $43,692.50. <laughs> Why? And he goes, well, I'm a veterinarian in town. I just sold three of my offices and I'm gonna write you a check for it tomorrow. That's what happened. Friends, that is not an accident. That is God. That's why I tell you those stories because you gotta get this. God will do this to you like he did it to me, like he does it to us. This is crossing over. Every church, every family, every person comes to a moment of crossing over in your life and your destiny. Either you do it or you die. I know many, many churches that God brought them right to the edge of the river. And it, and it was a, just a, listen, your whole life is just marked out by a few critical decisions. And they made the wrong choice. Instead of going forward and dependency on God, they went backwards. There was no miraculous victory. They, 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 desert, they went back into the desert of decline. They went back into the moment of mediocrity, of meaninglessness, because they couldn't step in the river. When God asks you to step in the river, get your big head in the river. Just get in the river and get in the river and get in the river. So here's where we are today. We paid off the property here, it's a miracle. It's supposed to be two more years and we paid off the property because of your generosity. It's amazing. Now, I'm always transparent and always honest, so I'm gonna go for it and just tell you this and we're done. But here, here's how it happened. We, 
I, I called this week, because we were going to have a service tonight to burn the mortgage. I thought that would be really cool. Let's go out on the patio, build a fire, burn the mortgage. And I called the bank, and they said, and somebody else called the bank for us, and they said, we, we can't give you the mortgage. And I said, well, give me the president's name. I, I know Phil, the president of Bank of the West, who holds a mortgage on Upland and here and Miller. And so I called Phil, and I go, Phil, what's up? We want the mortgage. We paid it off. He goes, you did. You paid it off. You paid it off East Avenue. Way to go. And I go, well, then give me the mortgage. And he goes, well, I can't. I, I, I go, can you please explain? He goes, well, you know when you refied the property last year? And we did. We dropped it down like two percentage points. And for millions of dollars, we saved thousands and thousands of dollars. And he said, but we tied the Miller office to the East Avenue property. I said, oh, no. We told you not to do that. And he goes, yeah, I didn't get that message. We did. I go, so what's my option? Do I go out and get a loan on Miller? Or, and then, or what, what, what? And he goes, well, you're less than a year away from paying off Miller at the rate you're going, so you decide. And so I, I just hung up the phone and cried. I, wasn't, I canceled the service. Everybody's like, why are you canceling the Sunday night service? I go, we don't have a mortgage. We've got to decide what to do now. And that's where we're at, actually, is... Um, you know, I, I, I'm gonna, we're going to meet as a board this week, and I'm guessing, just knowing our church, that we're going to stay in the river for another year and pay off Miller, and then we'll own the whole thing. And, but here's what we're really going to do. We're negotiating right now for new property, five acres, to build a new CityLink campus on. And so that's going to happen anytime here shortly to care for the poor. So please pray for the negotiations because we're weighing them right now over property to buy property in Fontana and build another campus for CityLink, which is gonna be a several million dollar kind of endeavor. But friends, God has always done this, always taken care of us. We're also planning, because we've been told 20 to 30% of the churches in America will not reopen after COVID. We're planning on going into some churches that are closing down and taking them over and revitalizing them as offsite campuses. So. We have, listen, we have lots of vision. We just need to stay faithful, amen? So I just want to commend you today, say thank you. What a privilege it is to serve with you. You are amazing, amazingly generous and godly people. Let's stand and worship the Lord, could we?
worship you, God. Lift up a shout to the Lord today. Father, we worship you, God. There's no God like you. Thank you, Father, for making a way when there's not a way. Thank you, God, for parting the sea, the river, when we step in. Thank you, God, that you never leave us or forsake us or abandon us, that you're crazy about us. Thank you, God, that you still want to do the miraculous when we trust you. So I pray for us, Father, that we would touch neighborhoods and nations. We would build a new campus to care for the poor in our community that would change the style of how people ever care for the poor in our area. God, we pray that as we reach out, you would show us where to go to touch other churches, other places that are closing down that you want to raise back to life, God, that you would put your hand on us, keep us, drive us forward in your name. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. Well, what a powerful, amazing service. I don't know about you, but I am just blown away thinking about the ways that God has provided by the way God has blessed our church. And gosh, I just can't help but just want to celebrate, right? And so we just want to say thanks so much for joining us. But hey, maybe think about your own life. And I want to challenge you throughout the week. And I have some questions and some ways that I would encourage and challenge you to respond. As Maybe you want to celebrate and think about the ways that God has provided for you in your life, right? Because, you know, the same way that God has provided for water of life is, is the same way that he's providing for your life. Life. And so why don't you do this? Why don't you take a moment and think about these questions and respond and reflect? And so one of the ways that you can reflect throughout the week is, is, is based on this verse in Psalm 9, verse 1. And it says, I will praise you, Lord, with all of my heart. And I will tell of all of the marvelous things you have done. And so throughout the week, spend time with Jesus and think and remember the ways that he has shown up in your life. Maybe you want to write them down. Maybe you want to put it in your journal or on your phone. Or I know like for me, I like to put it on a sticky note, a post-it note, and put it around my bathroom mirror, thinking of the ways that God has been faithful. And so take a moment and think about those things. Another thing that you can do by responding throughout the week is maybe take some time with your small group or maybe a couple of your friends or loved ones sharing with each other and giving thanks for the way that God has been faithful in your life. I know for me, I'm going to be challenged to spend time with my husband and my, my family and, and go around the circle and share one thing that I can be thankful for this week. So I want to challenge you to do the same thing. And like always, if you need prayer, if there are things that are happening in your life, we're here for you. So make sure you chat with one of the pastors. You can always DM us, direct message us. Let us know how we can pray for you. But other than that, we love you. We hope you have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next weekend. God bless.